Welcome to the Fatty Z Musky Podcast. I'm Andy. We are kind of going um, out of sorts today. Um, we're going to be. Re- I'm going to be recording the uh, the beginning plugs because we have a guest coming in. We're we're not recording on our normal time, and uh, just to kind of make things flow smoothly, I'm going to uh, kind of do the standard introduction here. So, this podcast is brought to you by Fat Az Musky Products. FatEasyMuskie.com is the website. Um, right now, same old story. Not a lot of baits. Rod holders, I should have plenty of inventory for anything that happens here in the next, you know, little bit for, uh, you know, for the time being, I should say. Um, if you're looking to set up a boat, feel free. As always, reach out and um, ask any questions. I, I'll be more than happy to uh, walk you through setups and options and and what have you with all of that. Um, Bait-wise, online retailers will be uh, Musky Tackle Online and Team Rhino Outdoors. I will be uh, firing up the airbrush here very shortly. I am uh, kind of doing my yearly cleaning that I, I try to do in the uh, in the paint studio. The uh, Kind of when I get rolling... I, I tend to not to try to do a major clean just because of the dust factor. So right before the uh, bait season, I like to go through, upgrade, um, change, do whatever I need to do that will, I think, make me a more efficient painter. So I'm in the middle of that right now. Um, so hopefully here in the next month or so, we might be posting up some photos of uh, baits in progress. Um Let's see. Going on from there, we have Muddy Creek Fishing Guides. MCFishNGuides.com is the website. That is Vance and Todd. Uh, by the sounds of it, anyone here that listens regularly, uh, a lot of dates are filling up for the 2022 season. So if you have a vacation in mind or, you know, uh, are just wondering about a date, do not wait. Um, it's best to reach out and try to book book now i know it's uh it's kind of tough because you know the weather and you know a whole bunch of things can change but um it's best to at least make the contact now um they fish out of uh ranger boats big thanks to ranger sponsoring uh this show you know the if anyone here again you know listens you know i'm on my second ranger vance is on like his 50th todd is going to be getting his second one um so you know i I prefer the older ones. They kind of fit my uh, my style, uh, <clears throat> budget, and uh, <laughs> and uh, but Vance and Todd they're fishing out of the new Angler series. So really, really great layouts on the boats, and uh, for musky fishing in, in the typical style of the casting trolling uh, demographic. So be sure to look at look at them, and you know something else to consider if you're looking at a new boat. Um, when you start pricing out like aluminum boats, because, you know, I've heard it a lot, the um, this the thing of, well, I can't afford a fiberglass boat. When you really start comparing apples, you might want to start looking at, you know, like some Ranger fiberglass boats or any of that. The, the price difference is not as much as it used to be. Um, but, you know, most people don't even look at that option. They'll just go to their regular, you know, this is my brand. But, but I say at least at least look around. And, uh, you know, compare apples on this when once you get it fully rigged. Um, St. Croix rods. Uh, I love my St. Croix. Um, you know, I've, I've been using mine. Well, I'm not a really good litmus test on how good they are. But as Vance would say, he uses them, abuses them. 
and um, you know they have a great warranty. They have a rod for just about every situation. So you know if you're looking at something new, you know there's a lot of big box retailers out there that do carry St. Croix rods. So go up, pick them up, hold them, feel them. You know it's a staple in the industry. So big thanks to uh, St. Croix rods. Um, Vix Marine. That's where Vance and Todd get their boats from. Vix Marine Sports Center in Kent, Ohio. Huge dealer for Ranger boats. At some some years, they are the number one volume dealer in the United States. Um, they have new boats from Triton, Ranger, Starcraft, Starweld, and used boats. Used boats. The inventory is constantly revolving. So be sure to um, you know check the website, but. Uh, also, if you have any kind of service needs, uh, look up Vix as well. Um, Aqua Traction. Uh, just this year, you know, this isn't the first time I've done this plug, but um, this year, sponsor of Aqua Traction, it, uh, our local dealer here is Nick at AlumaMetalFab.com. I also, well, introducing him, I also kind of brought together his email address as well, but uh, he's our local dealer. And he has set up my boat, which is, I really think it was a huge face facelift um, compared to my old carpet. Now, the carpet that I had in my 2003 Ranger 617, it was the original carpet. So, like everything, nothing lasts forever, and that carpet was about due. Um, it definitely did not, you know, make the, the boat a beautiful boat. It was functional. But, you know, this new flooring now, it's it's great. It's wonderful. I love it. Um, it's soft, you know, to stand on and just that little cushion, you'd be surprised on what that can do to your, like your knees, your calves and your thighs. Um, great stuff. Um, if you're curious about it, here's a little bit of technicals with it. It's a hundred percent cross-linked closed cell polyethylene foam. It's stain resistant, no shrinking and no peeling. They design it off of your boat. So it is to fit your boat. This isn't like hit the button, go, whatever, print out the standard cookie cutter of this boat this is for your boat um so it is really cool it has a great fit every boat's a little bit different even if it's the same brand same year same model this is for your your boat uh it's non-slip it's easy to clean it sound dampens and you know they got a great turnaround and outstanding warranty so be sure to check out aqua traction if you're in our area amf marine uh, amfmarine.com is his website for Nick. All right. Coming up soon too, March 5th and 6th, 2022. We did not have it this year, but the Musky Max Plus. Be sure to mark your calendars. This is our big show. This is the one that we wait for. Um, it's a wonderful show. Leah Party's do a fantastic job. It, they keep the, the audience engaged with giveaways, and they do a really good job of announcing um they have like raffles i think they have 50 50s i've never participated in that but they they have like that stuff they have a little area for the kids it's great for the wife and kids um or your husband depending on if you're a woman musky fisherman and your husband doesn't I, i'm all, all inclusive here um it's at princecape arena and it's kind of neat because we're like on AstroTurf and underneath the AstroTurf, I assume that there's ice because on the other side of the building, there's a bunch of people ice skating and hockey and all that stuff. But, you know, some real nice stuff to do around there. There's some great hotels. Um, not that anyone, you know, really wants to find out where he lives, but Gearman Steve lives near there. So, 
you know, thinking back to the old stories that I that I have going over there. But um, good times. It's it's a great show. I encourage everyone that can make it to make it. It is top notch in my book. So March fifth and sixth. That is a Saturday and Sunday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. on Saturday, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. on Sunday. So, physical address, I'm reading here. 114 South Point Boulevard, Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania. 15317. So, with that, you know, we want to we thank Musky Max for supporting our show. And, you know, we do the same for them. So, it is a fantastic time. Um... Be sure to check it out. And with that, we're going to be having our guests on and uh, whoever else is going to be joining. All right, everyone, I am back. I have Vance. Hi, Vance. Good evening. How are you? I'm very good. And excited. Excited. I'm excited. <laughs> okay. And we have Todd. Hi, Todd. I'm here shooting my life, boy. Very oh, my. nice. And we have uh, Jim from the Chautauqua Hatchery. Hi, Jim. How are you? Good. How are you? Oh, we're doing excellent. So uh, let's waste no time here. Kind of what what is your position at the at the hatchery? Uh, well, technically, it's uh, fish cultures three, uh, but I also serve as the hatchery manager. OK. And uh, how did how did you get to the fish hatchery level three culturist? Okay. Give us some history. Um, yeah, uh, well, it probably started out from growing up on a dairy farm as a child, uh, watching Hard animals worker. grow and uh, just just watching their life cycles. Uh, I just enjoyed seeing that happen and uh, always wanted to be around that kind of thing. And I just stayed in that uh, kind of field throughout my life. Uh, and as far as the uh, hatchery system goes, I, I started at the uh, bass fish hatchery in 1988, and then uh, then I came here uh, to, to, to uh, Chautauqua, and then uh, I took a, a promotion to the Randolph hatchery um, to raise the trout. And become a little more rounded there. Uh, took another promotion uh, to the Caledonia Hatchery, and ended up back here eventually. So that that whole process has uh, given me about thirty years in in the system. So you've handled a fish or two in your day. Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's been enjoyable actually. I um, look forward to. Especially the the time of year where we have muscalunge fry uh, in our facility, and I can watch probably tasty on brine shrimp. Uh, that it, it it actually shows you what their a little bit of their attitude or their, their ways of of movement are uh, in the wild, uh, how they sit very still and wait for that uh, tender morsel to come by them, and uh, then they just lunge about half their body length or, or so, 
right out on it. And it's really neat to watch these little um, guys go after the brine shrimp. So that's my favorite time of year. It's crazy how aggressive they'll be. Yeah, yeah, they are. And when they're when there's a whole trough full of uh, like eight thousand of them, and and they're all doing that, it's it's kind of neat. Nice, yeah. And that you know, it, it's kind of a seasonal thing. It's kind of neat to look forward to that. You know that that comes. Yeah, like there's a... a cycle to it, and mm-hmm. uh, so it. Uh, in some ways, it's nice because there's a routine, but in other ways, we'll, there's always something different happening. That uh, uh, the weather changes, and and that that always throws a curveball at you. Um, and um, there's just new developments out there, and things you want to try. See how this works. Try a different type of feeder, or a different type of food, or um, different type of lighting, uh, just uh, different ways of trying to get a better product out there into the lake. Okay, and I would imagine through your travels that you you guys have, you know, kind of sorted through some things that work better than than not. You know, you you were in the bass hatchery, you know, the bass house, I believe that's what you called it. Then you went trout and musky, and you've been all over. I mean. Yeah, yeah. Each one has their own unique uh, uh, fit with uh, in the system, in the hatchery system, as far as what they raise and what's needed in the state. And so ours is ours is muscalunch, but uh, uh, right now we do have oh, I want to say approximately two hundred and sixty thousand brown trout in our facility at this time of year um we're we're not running lake water um we don't have any of our warm water fish here and so we can just run our well pumps and uh uh we've got good wells that uh pump 150 gallons a minute 24 7 and uh it's uh very good water temperature, very clear water, and so it's 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 at 52 degrees, and the brown trout really like that, and they're growing real good on it, and we can help get get these little guys a jump on life because of that. But uh, when we get our musky eggs in this uh, in in April, then we're we'll have to have long by that point long moved out the trout to other facilities they'll be going up to the caledonia hatchery so they'll take care of them from there so we just kind of give them a a jump on life here and it gives it keeps us busy during the winter as well so that's a typical rotation that you do musky in the summer brown trout and fall and winter yeah um a little more than that um actually the first fish that we'll get in um in March, late March, early April will be uh sauger. And the sauger are very much like uh walleyes. Mm-hmm. And they will come from West Virginia and Kentucky. And um we'll get them as uh sack fry. So they're only like a half inch long. They're very small and 
we will have them here. Uh, we're trying different things with them. We haven't found the ideal combination of uh, to try to get them to be a nice size for stocking. But um, but even so, even when we're stocking them out really small, it, as some of them will stock them out as we receive them. They'll, they'll just go right out into the Allegheny Reservoir. And um, uh, they're doing well there because we've been doing this now for oh, roughly 10 years, maybe a little more with the sauger and um uh there's adult sauger out there that are from from us and uh they're they're reproducing on their own um the folks at the allegheny office of uh fisheries uh department there they uh they're catching them they're seeing them out there so uh they're doing well so it, there is success with it we just like to see even more success in, in our rearing end of it. Um, so they're the first fish that come in and uh, end of March, beginning of April. And then... Can I ask uh, them questions about those saugers? Sure. Um, is is the, the reservoir, Allegheny Reservoir, is that the only body of water that's getting those? Yes, they like large um, river systems. And so uh, they're... they're was some consideration of possibly putting them in the Cataraugus Creek. Um, I, I don't know really wh where they're at right now with that, but um, I know that uh, there is consideration of other places. But as of as of now, it's just the reservoir. And uh, how, how do they how do they kind of you know share the space with walleyes? Are they friendly to each other? Do they just not really know the difference? Or yeah, I'm not familiar with that end of things. Okay, because um, yeah. I never knew that they were in the Allegheny, the reservoir. I yeah. always, always knew it was walleye, yeah. but yeah, and there's also a, a walleye hatchery on uh, in, in Allegheny State Park that is run by the um, Seneca Nation. Okay, and they're it's just a small facility, and they're they're just um, Taking the eggs, hatching them, and stocking them out as as fry. So there's they're doing they're also doing some stocking there, and and it seems like everything is going well. That they're getting good numbers when uh, when they uh, net the fish, um, and and the saugers are seeming like their numbers are coming on good. It seems like everything is is doing well there. Neat. So so. Saugers leave the facility. What comes in next? Yeah, um, the the musky eggs will be coming in in late April, uh, early May, um, and then uh, the, we'll get walleyes in in May as well. So the walleyes will be uh, fry that we get from Oneida Lake, and we'll put them directly in our ponds and. The, the musky eggs will come in. They'll come inside our facility, and we'll put them in incubators to hatch out the eggs. The eggs hatch out in about two weeks, and then uh, uh, we'll, after they hatch out, we'll wait for uh, a week or so for them to absorb their yolk sacs, and then we'll start feeding them brine shrimp. 
brine shrimp mostly come from Salt Lake in Utah, uh, though there are other places they could come from. And uh, they come as uh, eggs, dried eggs, and we incubate them here in uh, 80-degree salt water. And so we hatch them out, and we constantly got another batch coming off all the time. We have several um, containers that we're culturing them in. And so uh, we can feed the muscalunch around the clock for uh, a couple of weeks or so, and um, and they'll, they'll, they'll do real well on that. We'll also introduce them to dry feed during that period of time. And uh, the dry feed has all the minerals and vitamins and things in it that, that, that they need. And so they'll uh, get used to that. And so after they come off the brine shrimp and they're on just on dry feed and um, May or be later May, June, they definitely be all on dry feed. They'll get up to about uh, four or five inches roughly uh, in July. And then we'll be uh, stocking them into the ponds because in the meantime, We've already harvested the walleyes out of the ponds and stocked them out. Um, we put them, they usually go on the lower Niagara River, Canisius Lake. Um, there, there's a priority list, and we just go down the list until we run out of them. But there's also one other state hatchery that's raising walleyes. Well, there's actually two. Um, Oneida raises them, and... Um, uh, South Otselic is another hatchery that raises them. And so they're working on this same list. We're just doing uh, different water bodies, but we're both, we're all working down the list. And um, this, uh, with Niagara River, Lower Niagara River and Canisius, that those two would be at the top of our list. We don't stock them in Chautauqua Lake. These are uh, one to two inch um 40 day old walleyes and um there's times where Chautauqua Lake does get stocked with walleyes but they they tend to be fingerlings from from Oneida Oh very interesting yeah. I didn't do that <clears throat> Yeah Pardon? I just assumed that you guys were putting most of those walleyes the same as the muskies yeah. I, I suppose yeah. We don't lake. put. We actually don't put any musk muscalunch fry in Chautauqua Lake, and there's a reason for that. Um, the muscalunch that we do put in Chautauqua Lake are finished muscalunch. So those are your eight, nine, ten-inch muskies, and they've found that at that size, uh, most of them make it. So that's why we shoot for that size. But the reason we don't sh- uh, stock fry in the lake is because we fin clip all the muskies that do go in the lake. So each year we clip a different fin so that it's on a four-year cycle. And we know, and we can know what year class that that fish was from. Um, now, uh, now that, so, that is that you, that they used to do that. 
fast. Like they would put X amount of fish out into the ponds when they were ready to go. And I know they used to put a lot of those fry. They would just dump them in a lake because you didn't have anything to do with them. What happens to... There was surplus fry that used to go in the lake. And I want to... I'm trying to think of when... I think the last time, roughly, um, don't Mm -hmm. quote me, but roughly the last time fry were stocked in Chautauqua Lake, muskie fry, was 2015. Mm-hmm. So um, we're seeing, due to the fin clip, we're seeing that uh, 80, 90% of the fish that we're catching are from the hatchery. Mm-hmm. If we were stocking the fry out, surplus fry out there, then that would skew that number. For sure. Um, so, um, yeah, they're, and, and, and we're catching these fish in our nets in the spring. We're getting, we're targeting adult, uh, breeders. Um, and so, you know, they're five, six, seven year old fish in that neighborhood, um, so at this point, we should it should be should be at the point where we're only catching fish that we stock that we stocked as finished fish, because if the last time was 2015 for fry, then um, that if if that definitely has a factor on it, and they're and they're. If the fish are only coming from this hatchery, then it, that may show up in our in our nets in the spring. We may only see clipped fish, so mm. we'll, we should be getting into that we that point now. Um, if 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 all that is true, but um, yeah, so this this study of clipping fish has been going on since well, I want to say yeah, it was 1961. Uh, that was started and uh, what I've been told that the, the reason you don't tend to have breeding, uh, natural breeding going out going on out there is um, I guess in part or large part because the lake doesn't flood anymore people that live along the edges of the lake don't tend to like their houses flooded so they control that with a dam and of course, the muskies like flooded areas to lay their eggs in in the springtime. So, how much control, flooding are we talking about here? Uh, they like they like those weedy areas that uh, that they can get up into uh, out of the lake. Um, this just they don't have to go far at all. I mean, you're just talking right next to the to the lake itself. Um, they'd like they'd like to get up into the lawns and the hedges and stuff like that if they could but you know i i've commonly seen them swimming up the creeks uh a pair that definitely look like a male and a female um in the springtime so you know there's there they definitely could still be trying to find a spot to to breed so okay according to the 
the clipping data, the, the far majority of the fish are coming, they're coming from here. And we're stocking them, the, the rate we're stocking them at is one per acre. So if it's a 13,000 acre lake, then, you know, we're putting in right about that number each year into the lake. And and you guys feel that that's a, a good, sustainable stocking? I mean, obviously you've had years to do this. Yeah, but. I mean, they're going to keep looking at that whenever they can through netting and uh, creel census or any other means that uh, the fishery folks can, can do. They'll, they'll, they'll consider those kind of things and, and, and adjust it as needed. But... Um, for the most part, that's been working. Okay. So okay. So where do the eggs come from? Are you getting them out of Chautauqua, or I've heard that a lot yeah. of a lot of out of Casadega, same fish, same breed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we have switched to Casadega. It is mm -hmm. the same fish. Mm -hmm. Um, that just gives Chautauqua a break. But um, if we if we have difficulty in getting male, uh, adult males out of Chautauqua, we'll switch to Casadega for a while and then find out when we come back to Chautauqua that our male numbers are back up to where they should be and we can easily get the breeding pairs. Um, yeah, I don't know what the cause of that is. I mean, there's speculation on different things, but, um, but, uh, yeah, it just seems like if we give it uh, a few years of a break, then um, the male numbers will be back up again, and we can go right back at it. Okay. Yeah, as far as as far as uh, history goes on in the hatchery, um, it was oh boy, you going back in the early 1800s um, for the origin. Um, Let's see, um, I want to say 18, yeah, 1887 was the first time that they they tried to get um, musky eggs out of the lake. And um, so they, they considered the muscalunge a valuable resource, and, and they wanted to uh, propagate it artificially. And they, at that time, they were seeing a, a, a decrease in, in the numbers of muskies that were being caught. So in 1887, a guy named uh, Eliezer Green, he was just a local attorney, him and uh, Jonathan Mason. Uh, Jonathan was, uh, he was a friend of Seth Green's. They worked together. So those that know Seth Green, he's the father of fish culture. Um, started the first fish hatchery in the northern hemisphere, being be Caledonia Hatchery. Um, so in 1887, they they tried to take eggs from muskies, and it wasn't successful. But the next year, they were. They they got something like 60,000 fry that they stocked in the lake. And that all occurred in the southern basin of Chautauqua Lake um, at a place called Greenhurst. That's on the would be kind of like the northern shore of the southern basin. And that's where they were. And they did that there for a little bit. And then um, I, I think they put up a small building there. And 
but it didn't last long because I, the, the Bemis Point hatchery, um, that is where the current uh, Bemis Point bolt launch is today. That's where they went, and um, I want to say that was around 1890. So they weren't at Greenhurst very long. So they started there, and they started in a tent, and then they put up a shed and uh, eventually a building. Uh, and uh, they, they, they went at it there until, well, 1950 is when the, the current facility is uh, on this property um, is where uh, that's the year that this this facility started raising muscle lunch was 1950. Of course, it was a lot different back then. It wasn't as big of a facility, and it was all down at the lake, down at the boat launch, um, and and they kept the they kept the Bemis Point hatchery going. Um, that uh, that went until like 19 or yeah 1970ish, 71 maybe. That it just became less and less useful, um, less and less fish out of there. They were going back and forth with boats between the hatchery. The crews were, and of course the crews were a lot bigger then because things weren't so automated and and uh, and when when the muskies go out into the ponds. They're fed minnows, live live fish. So that's labor intensive because you got to have a crew to go out with trucks, and go around insane for minnows to feed the muscalunch. Um, so they were pulling minnows from bodies of water. They weren't purchased. They were correct. Uh, initially, they were taking them out of Chautauqua um, and other nearby lakes. They were getting them from, um, yeah. They eventually they got into purchasing them, but they actually had ponds here that were set up for breeding minnows in as well. So they were trying to raise them, catch them, and then eventually they started getting into purchasing some. So they were doing all that stuff, and I don't know. I I think the crew was something like. 10, 15 guys at one time. Um, now we're at four. Uh, it's, we don't need it. Um, we purchase the minnows. Tractor trailer truck comes in once every couple of weeks and um, dumps them in our ponds. Um, they're they're coming. Usually they come out of Arkansas, but that, that ever ever who gets the bid is where it'll end up coming from. But yeah, they're certified. They're cleared. That checked minnows, and uh, and they just yeah, pretty much good. open up the hatch, and they all just come flying out of the truck. Yeah, the they pump. got they got different tanks, and they got them worked out in the tanks, and they know how many ponds we got, so uh, they're pretty good about dividing them up. Because if they weren't good about it, then when when we harvested the fish, we find the size difference way, way off between different ponds. But yeah, it's, it works out good. And our, we can project how good, how big they'll be by how many pounds of minnows we're getting. And, uh, it's, it's on, it's right on every year. So they're, they're pretty good about that. And, and you, you keep referring to these ponds. These are the ponds that are outside the facility that might be, they look like they might be three feet deep. And uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Three feet. 
four feet maybe at the at the most. And is yeah. there like it? I mean, obviously something has to grow in there, whether it's like grass or something. So these these fish are kind of in a like a little native jungle type habitat. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's natural. It's a it's a dirt bottom ponds. Um, it's kind of a natural habitat for them. We we do lay down plastic in the very center of the pond, and we um, and prior to harvesting the ponds, the, the plastic is held down uh, with cinder blocks. We just go out there and chest waders and and pull the cinder blocks off or kick them off with our foot, and uh, the plastic will float up. And it'll, we'll pull it, and it'll just, you know, float right off and follow us right off of the pond. And that clears a nice path, nice channel right to our kettle, which is where the dam boards are and the outflow goes. And and from the kettle, they'll flow down a 12-inch pipe into a catch basin that's streamed so that the water of the pond can pass through it and the fish are held in behind. So that's about uh, roughly eight feet by twelve feet, and we can get in there and sane them up and load them onto our trucks. But um, yeah, they'll spend they'll spend uh, a couple months out in the ponds. Uh, a lot of people will see that well, the ponds don't have water in them, and they they think the hatchery might be closed or whatever. It's but the uh, truth is. We only need the ponds for a couple months of the year for the muskies, and we only need them for a little month and a half for the walleyes. And a lot of times the ones we use for the walleyes are far enough away from the road that you can't even tell that they're full of water or not. So, Well, and there is, yeah, there is about 20 different ponds, I would guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah there, there originally was... 20 some ponds now yeah. now we have 12 they're big they're bigger ponds <laughs> and uh there's there's 12 of them so we're jumping yeah. around but uh an interesting thing i know you have the big harvest or tank there and what i was always told was that 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 it should talk with lake water yes that they're raising these muskies in correct yes yeah yes we're, we have a a pump house at the lake there's three pumps. They're each three-phase pumps, and they pump the water up from the lake into our 90,000-gallon water tower, and mm-hmm. from there, that water will be distributed to the ponds or into our hatch house, depending on what we need. How about water temps, like while you're raising them? Is it staying the same like the lake, or is it warming up through that process? Yeah, well, initially they're going to be on well water because that lake is cold. And we'd rather use well water than lake water anyway because the well water is cleaner. But even when we do use lake water, we're we're running it through uh, pond filters. We've got five pond filters that will run the water through, and then it will also go through a set of ultraviolet lights to kill the bacteria in it. So it's in pretty uh, good shape by the time it gets to the fish. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll put them on the well water. It's it's about the temperature of the lake at that time of the year when we're getting the eggs, and we'll run it on that. And then we can run our culture boilers, run that well water 
through that through the boilers and it'll slowly heat that water up and we'll increase it by about a degree each day so they're starting out at around 52 degrees the eggs are and um, we're we're heating it up uh, to roughly 65 degrees before we're before we switch it over to, to lake water okay so we're trying to get them, get them the optimum temperature for growth that whole period of time. We're trying to kind of push that envelope to, to help them to grow as fast as possible. Get that warm, wet water warmed up as quick as you can, yeah. quickly, yeah. and get them eating. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's warming up a lot quicker than it would if they was out in the lake. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I mean, the, the, the hatchery there is a... I mean, I I feel that it was always unique because I, I don't know what's happened the last couple of years with COVID, but I've been in that place uh, hundreds of times as a kid stopping in and just, you know, the doors are open. You could go in and watch them, see them in the thing. You And the guys there always talked, uh, talked to you if they were around and uh, it's sort of an open door thing during the week. You can yeah. go in and see what's going on. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know that they do that everywhere. Uh yeah, but that's that, we, that, right now because of COVID, we're closed. But that's what I we'd like to get back to, most yeah. definitely. And even um, it's not uncommon for us to take a guy or two out on our boats in the spring um, to let them see how how these fish are netted and how the eggs are taken. Um, the whole process. We collect ovarian fluid. And, you know, there's a whole process of things that you can see there. But oh, we really can't do that now. I mean, it's uh, they've got us uh, closed down pretty tight, and for good reason. I mean, it's, the COVID is yeah. Yeah. serious. Um, it's, it's very serious. Yep. And uh, so the uh, right, right now you're taking the eggs from the fish, and those fish are going right back into the – you're not bringing anything back to the hatcher anymore, correct? Right. Right. We don't even use um, uh, drugs on the fish when we're taking eggs. Like at the trout hatcheries, when when eggs are stripped, um, they'll use uh, olive oil or um, what is called MS-222. It's a drug that makes the the fish uh, settle down and... You know, it's, you're trying to hold a, a fish that uh, is slimy and jumping all over the place. It's kind of hard, especially the bigger they get. So um, with the muskies, um, we've kind of learned how to handle them, uh, how to pick them up without them getting excited about what's happening. And um, we can strip the eggs without using drugs. And when you do use drugs, there's a withdrawal period of 21 days for the MS-222 olive oil. It's, I believe it's just a day. But, um, uh, again, you're, you're, the musky season isn't open uh, at that time of year when we're out there taking eggs anyway. So, um, But, yeah, we do, we do try to stay away from the drugs, and we've been successful at, at doing that. So... Um, it's another, I mean, thing when I was a kid going to the hatchery, 
I remember the days of going there and uh, some of those big fish were out in the ponds over time. Uh, it, it was just really, it was, it, I mean, that was neat to me. I remember just looking and you see them laying out there. I, I, I know I didn't think you guys did that anymore. It was just, uh, but it was a neat well, thing. At one time we were actually um, keeping targeting, keeping uh, carp to, um, and, and maybe some of them were actually kept in the ponds. This was uh, before my time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were getting uh, eggs from them that they hatched out and fed to the muskies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the muskies would, would eat carp fry initially. That would be after they were off of brine shrimp and big enough to to do that. But yeah, it, it worked. It seemed to work out. The timing worked out with the the carp spawning and the age that the muskies would be when the uh, carp eggs were uh, hatched out. So. You tried to do it all in one pond. That's neat. Yeah. Yeah, why why buy minnows when you can just have them supplied for free? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's definitely a lot more labor intensive, but uh, it is possible, and you know it's going to tie up some more of your facility. And if you're maxing out your water and tanks with uh, your production fish, it, it kind of throws a curveball at you. Okay, um, you know so. Uh, obviously you guys are putting traps out or something to catch, to catch the muskies to get, you know, all, all the stuff you need to make baby muskies. It, d- is there like a, a, a trend that you guys see? Like if the population's like doing really well that, um, you catch more quicker or is it more weather oriented? Like, how do you know when you have enough? Yeah. Well, ultimately we're looking for 80,000 fry. It, uh, when we get to the point where these musky eggs are sack fry, we want 80,000 80, of them. And so when we're out on the lake, typically we get one to two million eggs. Well, some of that is getting um, transferred to other states. Uh, we're trading muskellunge for sauger or whatever. Um and and some of that is is just lost because, well, for example, from green eggs to eyed eggs, you're going to lose something around the neighborhood of forty to fifty percent of them. Hmm. Um, that's just the, the nature of the beast. And then uh, from the point of eye up, eye up to hatching. Again, you're going to lose uh, something like 40% of them. So, yeah, ultimately, though, we just we need 80,000 eggs, and we will have enough to meet all our quotas to stock all the, the bodies of water in the state that are calling for these muskies and get them the, the numbers that they need. And typically, we're able to come either meet that quota or come close to it. 
but it's not because we didn't get enough muskies in the spring. It's usually uh, something that happened along the way, like uh, low oxygen in the ponds. Uh, the summer was too hot, and um, it just cooked them out. The temperature in the ponds just raised to a, a point that it was unhealthy for them, and oxygen levels dropped, and or, or some type of... Um, disease like culminaris or something got into the fish and uh, gave us fits. So, um, but we've never had an issue with getting the number of eggs that we needed. Even in these last two years that have been the most difficult uh, due to COVID, um, smaller smaller number of people out on the boats, uh, fewer nets being set, we'll st- we still caught what we needed. We still got our 80,000 that ultimately we needed. Um, but uh, that would probably be a better question to pose to the fishery man- management folks as far as uh, any trends that they may be seeing. Um, as far as what we're seeing, we're we're getting our numbers every every year, and we and we all, always have pretty much gotten them within one week. Uh, we'll we'll be out there for two weeks just um, for standards. I mean, this is the way you do it every year. It's two weeks. We want to keep everything the same and um, use the same kind of nets and see what we get. Uh, those fisheries folks will will take those numbers. They'll work those, they'll work the uh, biology up on those fish. They'll they'll take uh, scale samples from them and measurements and take uh, notes as far as if uh, they see any scars or or what fin clip it has, um, all that kind of thing. Um, sometimes there may be a tag on them. Uh, one year we did uh, telemetry on some muskies and um, actually put uh, a radio, oh, about as big as your thumbnail, put the radio underneath the skin of the muskies and sewed it back up, let them go and followed them around for a year. And I can tell you from the data of that, those fish don't stay in, stay in the same spot. They're they're moving all over the lake. Um, it's uh, they might be in the same area for uh, a few days or whatever, but then they're in someplace else. Yeah, they they're they're just moving all the time. Like Interesting. No rhyme or reason. Just I'm going to be here well, or here. Not that, not that we're aware of anyway. I mean, not not that we've got definitive uh, answer for, but. Right, um, but it was interesting to see it and pl- and see it plotted out uh, where where they were going and where they came from and that sort of thing. Um, did you guys catch any big super tankers in the nets? Yeah, um, you know we'll get the fifty plus inch fish, and it, it always seems like we get a few of those each year. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, they're kind of neat to see, especially back when we were allowed to have uh, uh, some guests on the boat. And then if you had a younger 
uh, kid that was out there, and you know, and he have him get his picture taken with a fish, and the fish's head is bigger than his head. That's that's kind of neat. Yeah, I mean, typically when you when you pull the nets, what do you think an average amount of fish in the nets is? Well, we typically get around 100 to 200 fish every year total in all of the nets, if they're all set. Now, like I say, this last couple of years, it hasn't. They haven't been doing that. So hopefully this, this spring will be more or less back to normal with, with uh, you know, mask and being careful and that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, uh well, years ago when the pound nets were set, and they're different than the trap nets that we use today. They're they're much bigger, and it would take a crew of guys one day to set one. The trap nets today, two guys can set one in 20 minutes. Um, but uh, the pound nets, they were bigger, and they could hold a lot of fish. I don't know. I was looking at some data, old hatchery records, and... It wasn't out of the ordinary to uh, pull up the one net and have 150 muskies in it because they were big enough to hold that many. And that wasn't out of the realm of possibility. I mean, typically, oh, 50, 60, 70, but to have 150, you know, it wasn't unreal. Um yeah, uh, if we get a dozen in one net now, that's that would be quite a few. But you know, you're comparing two different types of nets mm-hmm. in that, so it's it's completely different. There's much smaller, and we don't need that many fish anyway. So, so, so overall numbers is not the main goal here. Just get get the quality that you need, and yeah, it, it's. It's being consistent in the way we do things so that we can then compare it to previous years. So I think uh, we've been doing it this way that we're doing it now um, since the late 70s, maybe. Okay. And so it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty comparable back to that point. Um, ha- have you noticed a- any kind of, just from, from your line of work, uh, specifically the muskies in Chautauqua. Have you noticed like what you feel would be population, you know, highs and lows or, or, or trends or, you know, just, you know, maybe it's just anecdotal, but you know, is there anything there that you say, Oh, it was really good. We had some good year classes in, I don't know, the eighties as an example or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, there was, um, times where we were stocking a lot more than 13,000 per year. Mm-hmm. And uh, of finished fish, of the eight, nine inch fish. Um, and I think that we ran into some problems with that, but putting too many fish in the lake. Um, because then it seemed like the red spot numbers came up, which was a disease that they can get. And then when we went back down to, or when we went to the 13,000, then it seemed like the, the fish were healthier, okay. um, better better fish. So, um, yes, sometimes you can get higher numbers, but then the overall population won't, may not be as healthy as it should be. Okay. But, yeah, I, I 
again, that would be a better question for fisheries management. Um, they're uh, just to give an idea how we work with them. They they set the they're do, they're going out there and collecting the data, and they're they're doing their own nettings, um, their own creel census, their own um, they're doing trawls in the lake, they're setting uh, gill nets in the lake doing those kinds of things and getting um, data from that, talking to uh, fishermen and whatnot. Um, and they're determining, you know, uh, how many fish to put out there, what the health and condition is. And it's not just this, this lake. It's everywhere, every body of water, every stream. They're, they're going up and they're sampling how, how much life is in this stream. What is here that the fish can eat? How much of that is can support how many fish per uh, acre of the of the stream? And so they're they're trying to work that up. And of course, it changes every year, so they they have to keep doing it and keep tweaking things. And um, so we get the information from them as far as uh, how many fish and. Uh, the stock and what body of waters to put them in. They might change priority uh, list. Usually Chautauqua, as far as muskies, would be high on the priority list. Um, but, uh, yeah, they'll, that's the sort of thing they do. And then we, as the hatchery, um, we're the fish farmers. You know, we're going to uh, be, be raising them, as we've been talking about. So you're just taking the orders, you know, they want... Hey, we want thirteen thousand here. You know, come whatever September, and you're like yeah. orders up, and you just yeah, right. I mean, like yeah. so. So you have all these fish. They're they're ready to go in the lake. Is there like some kind of trough that you just open up the gate and they all swim down in through there, or do you go and spread them out? Uh, I wish um, there there is one hatchery I'm aware of out west that is at a high point and they can stock three different river systems without leaving the hatchery. Just by pulling dam boards um, to the right uh, to the right uh, stream that goes into the river, but uh, yeah, we're we're hauling them, we're putting them on our trucks and and moving them around. We're uh, putting them on our boat. We have um, cattle tanks on our boats, and we're we're going out and uh, putting a few here and a few there until we've covered basically most of the lake, if not all of it. Um, yeah, we're going around the different, different areas and doing that. That's a lot of water to spread them out in. Yeah, it is. And it's a lot of, a lot of traveling, especially if you've got a, uh, uh, you've got a load of muskies on your, your boat and you want to go the far north end or far south end and haul them. It's, it's a lot, it's a lot of ways to go just that, not to mention, uh, truck travel. We we stock the Great uh, Casey River, which is in the far north country, and uh, and that's a lot of truck travel right there. But I mean, uh, buddy, folks, they could, like them. So bodies of water that the uh, Chautauqua strain there, the Chautauqua muskie strain, is getting into. I mean, where, where how many places are they stocking? <laughs> um, yeah. Typically, it's about, I want to say, 12, 13 
and mm-hmm. the places that we usually do. But uh, we also give, if we have surplus, we give some to Vermont, and we'll give some to West Virginia. Um, so, you know, they're, they're going all over the place. They're going all over, yeah. <laughs> Well, that's that's good, Vance. Do you have anything you wanna you wanna ask before we you know we've taken up you know quite a bit of his evening? Uh yeah, Jim. I have a couple questions. Um, what is the uh, the uh, the growth rate of the stocked fish mm-hmm. to achieve yeah. uh, you know that fifty inch mark that fishermen love to hit? Um, and, uh, just for clarity, you were saying that there's two different studies going on in the lake. You just are using your nets to get the eggs where there's a fisheries management team that is kind of getting an assessment of the population. Is, right. is that true? Okay. Yes. And, and fisheries management, of course, is with us whenever we're out on the lake because they want to see what's caught and they want to get the data off of those fish as well. Um, and, you know, they, they, they want to, they're, they're looking for a healthy population. And uh, so they don't want to see, they don't want to take a bunch of scale samples to that, that they use for aging the fish and find out, oh, all you're catching is really old fish. You know, they, they want to see that. A uh, nice pyramid of, of of the age groups represented there. So yeah, they're going to come out and get the uh, data from us. I uh, I know that in years past I've seen them out here uh, plenty of times. Even electroshocking at night, they would do that annually. Um, I don't know how much of that has been done lately. You'd have to ask those folks out of the Allegheny office. Uh, you know, because again, COVID issues and that. So, Jim has uh, has has the pyramid been good over the past four years, or are they noticing too no, many it's old? Been good. It's been good as far as that that goes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it it'll it's going to be interesting what we get this spring, and um, they're, they'll they'll be very interested in that data. Um, as far as the the uh, 50-inch fish goes, uh, I know it takes a lot of years to get uh, a size like that. And I know that uh, they can live uh, quite a long time. I think we've, I think, if I don't quote me, uh, chiseled this in stone, but it seems like I've, I've heard uh, 30-year-old fish been caught. Um, so... I know that the lake trout is a, is a fish that lives a very long time. We had uh, a lake trout at Randolph Hatchery that was older than some of the guys, the younger guys that were working there. Hmm. Um, but uh, um, yeah, it you know you're you're looking you know five to seven years to get to that breeding size. Roughly, you know, you you might get some younger ones than that, but um, okay. 
breeding. What are you calling like adult musky breeder size? Female being what mid to upper thirty inch range, male being yeah, yeah, that would be nice. Okay. Yeah, okay. and we don't need much out of them for eggs. I mean, we're not squeezing them for every last egg. We're just giving them one gentle squeeze because we want diversity. We don't want number a lot of numbers out of one big. Uh, Rootstock uh, female. Um, you want you want diversity in genetics, yeah, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah we we'll want to keep that. So we're just just giving them one gentle squeeze and 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 you know getting eggs and uh, half a it. cup, quarter cup. Oh, that's really nice of you guys to be gentle on them. <laughs> and how bigger how big are the fingerlings going in again? Yeah, they're roughly nine inches. Roughly nine inches. That's nice. Yeah, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. Uh, sometimes you get one that uh, has got more than his share of the minnows because he was more aggressive or whatever was in a good spot in the pond. So you might get a oh, it's possible to get a ten or eleven inch fish. Mm -hmm. And um, to your knowledge, when was the last time Chautauqua Lake was not stocked with muskies? Not stocked. Wow. That's a good question. Not in my my years. Not not since nineteen ninety. Anyway. Yeah. Now, I know we had one year that was in the eighties where we had a major flood, and it flooded the entire entire facility. It all became part of the lake, <laughs> and. A lot of fish were lost, but I don't think I don't think it caused them to not stock the lake. I think they still were able. To, um, some still stayed in the ponds in the bottom of the ponds, and um, they were able to because Chautauqua Lake's high on the list. You know, maybe the only thing above that might be Casadega. Um, uh, so I can't think. You know. Really cool. Top of my head, without doing re the research on it. Yeah, I just I wanted would to say 1887. How about this question? When was the last time the hatchery made tiger muskies? Oh, that would. Uh, it was a long time ago as well. Roughly in maybe the. Mid eighties. Mid eighties. Yeah. yeah. Really cool. Roughly then. Yeah. I and mean, if there's any tiger muskies in the lake, you know, they're they're you know they're not from us. They're they're doing it on their own. Let me ask you this. This is my last question. Sure. Have you guys caught anything really crazy in those nets that just threw you for a loop? Like how did this get in here? Like, I don't know, a bull yeah. shark? Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, a couple of things. Um, I, we've caught uh, rainbow trout in our nets, so they would have had to been flushed down from the creeks, you know, during a storm, in a spring storm when the nets are out there. But, you, know, you don't expect to see that. Um, and I and I'm not talking little rainbow trout. I'm talking, you know, full breeder size rainbows. Um, uh, Carp, big carp, 
that are bigger than the funnel of the net. <laughs> how does a how does a carp get through that and and get in there? Um, You're talking so, like yeah. a legit 30, 40 pounder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know what enough, the, the funnels are big enough for a, a big muskie to fit through, but not one of those wide-bodied carp. Hmm. Yeah. I know when you guys had the, uh, for so many years, that big brown tank inside with the sampling of fish from the lake. Yeah. Gigantic yeah. gar in there. And I think, like, the New York State record gar is like 20 pounds or something. And Yeah, I'm not sure off the top of my head, but yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah okay. sometimes we, we do, yeah, we tend to get uh, quite a few gar on um, uh, near Long Point. Over there, yeah. we tend to get some, and um, and people always seem to be interested in them. So we sure. always try to send one to each of the county fairs so that folks yeah. can see those. <laughs> well, there's some easy state record breakers in that lake. I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah. There's there's big gar. They're kind of hard to catch though. But. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know how to catch them. I just see yeah. them. So let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. What's what's the biggest fish in the lake? Oh, the one that I got was, away. You could tell me that. <laughs> you don't know, do you? No. Probably a big old yeah. paddlefish oh. or something. There you go. There you go, the paddlefish. Yep. We started stocking them in the lake about oh, early 2000s. And. We stocked them every year. Um, we were raising them out of here for a few years, but then, yep, they, yeah. then they were yeah. raised at the Oneida Hatchery, and we would bring them down from there and stock them. And they had been stocked in, in the lake for about 20 years in a row. So wow. natural, they were naturally in the lake uh, um, at one time. So that's, you know, they were trying to get them Fisheries folks are trying to get them reestablished. How big do you think some, do you think there's some fish over like 60, 70 pounds out there now? Paddlefish? Well, most definitely. I mean, yeah. sometimes you, you can see them swimming around. Yeah. But uh, I have seen uh, pictures that uh, fishermen that actually uh, accidentally caught one or whatever. Yeah. I mean, yep. they, they don't, they don't have teeth. They're not going to go after bait. You know, there's those mm-hmm. plankton eaters. So, you know, you, pretty hard to catch one but yeah i i've seen them that was bigger than oh, yeah we yeah. you're talking to two of the pe- the two people that spend the most time on that lake mm-hmm. and we have never ever <laughs> caught one for the day i caught one have you ever seen one yes okay. oh i've seen lots of them yeah. Yeah. yeah it will be a very triumphant day when we get one <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> accidentally i mean of course and we'll we'll take good care of it but um it's kind of crazy that you'll see those other fishermen catch them yeah and we spend all that time up there and we have not yeah Yeah. i've caught one (laughs) yeah Yeah, they're out there there's a lot of zooplankton out there so they should be pretty happy sometimes we go out there with our zooplankton nets and just uh, catch zooplankton to um, bump into our walleye ponds and uh, supplement their feed out there. 
because it, it, it's so plentiful that you know <laughs> you've got a net that's small enough. It's amazing how and there this whole plankton courses for those folks that don't know is it's it's just big enough to see with your eye. It's not much bigger than that. And, um, but if you if, but there are nets that are made specifically for that. Um, really and, cool. And there's a lot of it out there. Very productive lake. So would you would you say in closing that the lake is healthy right now for all species? Yeah, yeah, I would. I, I would. Um, it, again, it's going to be interesting to see what we get this spring. So why do you say that? Yeah, because uh, I'm anticipating that that this spring we're going to have all our nets set and we're going to have a full crew. It's not going to be a COVID paired down year. I don't think okay. so anyway. Um, where we only got a couple of nets set. So we, yeah. we're going to be able to compare what we're getting with the data from other years and, and see okay. just what's going on. Actually, so what? just for clarification and, and the listeners, some of the numbers were down because you were also down employees employees and we we only set a couple nets okay i got you i get i get it i get it yeah, yeah. nobody wants to work yeah. <laughs> that's a really cool job yeah. yeah you you got a great job i'd come up i'd, I'd volunteer day yeah. <laughs> you uh yeah. we got you we got some races that need to need to have the waste clean out of them so no. How much you enjoy it. <laughs> no, I'm 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 uh I'm good on the water. I'm not good yeah. at cleaning. If you saw my boat, you would understand. I'd be fired ten minutes in. <laughs> now, do you live right there on the premises? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I try to keep an eye on things. It's uh we we have generators hooked up, so when it storms, it uh. It makes me a little nervous and power going out and and whether the generators are going to kick on or not. Um, and uh, we had a couple cases this spring where we had issues with that. Uh, one was uh, we had a broken gas line that uh, we caught early and it got repaired, but unfortunately it didn't get bled, so it, it was airlocked, and so the generator couldn't fire up. Oh. And we caught it early enough that we didn't lose any fish and just caught it early enough. And then we well had done. another one where uh, a well pump quit. And again, you know, we've got alarms and generators, but some of these things have gotten old. And um, But our generators have been working good, so. Good deal. Fortunate. Yeah. So to wrap this up, is there anything you kind of want to – Closing statements, or you good, or? Uh, I don't think so. I think we're good. Hey, I, I appreciate you taking time out of your Wednesday to, um, you know, sit down and kind of explain some of this stuff to us. Well, I appreciate you um, supporting uh, the fisheries here and um, keep buying licenses. They, they, they pay for our cause. I'm going to tell you what, those out-of-staters really pay for them, and that's me. Yes, they do. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, 
I, I think it's a significant number. It's no number to uh, sneeze at um, as far as um, out-of-state uh, fishermen on Chautauqua. I want to say off the top of my head, it's something like 30% of them that are out there. So, no, that's, that's great. Yeah. Let me ask you one more question, Jim. Um, are you, do you work with... Uh, any of the Muskie Inc. chapters to receive donations uh, for, you know, food for Muskie or anything like that? Um, uh, in the past, yes, that has been done here. Does that um, help? I'd have to read the data. This is actually my first year as managing this facility. Okay. So, um, Because we always do... We always do fundraisers and things like that for a minnow fund. We do a lot of that in Pennsylvania, but we kind of cut our teeth on Chautauqua, so it would be yeah. uh, something we would maybe be interested in doing, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's been done before, and I think it's I think it has been done with the stipulation of, okay, these extra minnows are going to be going to the fish that are going to be put in Chautauqua Lake. Um to just get their number, get their size a little bit bigger. Um, so yeah, it, it that that sort of thing's been done before. I have heard from other clubs. Uh, I don't know. I had a fellow stop here this summer, and I just talked through to him through a window, and um, he said that they wanted to try to get us a, a UTV for the facility. Um, it would be really super nice to have, but uh, especially running around on the ponds with equipment and whatnot. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I, it's something we could work, we could work with you. We could do that. Yeah, yeah, help to do that. Yeah, yeah, that that certainly would be nice. I'm really good on UTVs too, Andy. Oh, so good, especially at night yeah. with lights. Oh. <laughs> but all right i appreciate it again you know we're gonna wrap this one up you you got dinner to eat and you know fish to look after so uh jim thank you very much and um okay take care now all right thank you have a good night yep you too yep. bye bye all right and with that Vance Todd. That wraps it up. That wraps I, uh, it up. Yeah, that wraps it up there. Um, that was awesome. Hopefully, we could do that again in the future. Uh, really, really cool stuff. It is, and uh, just due to some audio stuff, if if there were some loud things, I was working my best on this mixer to uh, try to keep everything from from blowing up on my end, but. Uh, I, th I think it came out, you know, finished product's going to be really good. And, uh, you know, other than that, Vance, Todd, you guys have anything you want to say to wrap this up? No, I think the, what the next time we're on air is, it should be like Christmas Day. No, it's not. No, it'll be it's close to New Year's. Year. Yeah, in between that week, so Merry Christmas to everybody and uh, be safe if you're still fishing. That's right, and uh, this show is brought to you by Fat Easy Muskie Products, Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, St. Croix Rods, Vicks Marine, Ranger Boats, Aqua Traction, and the Muskie Max Plus. 
All right, everyone. Um, happy holidays. Thanks for listening. <laughs>